DirecTV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. And there's no annual contract. Get your TV together at directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Clutch Talk podcast slash YouTube slash We Do It All. As always, I'm your host, John. Very happy to be here. My boy, Jay, his over there in the six. How you doing, baby? I'm doing very happy to be here, Jay. Basketball is back in full in effect. We ready to talk hoops. And we got a lot of things coming up, Jay, that we got to talk to the fans about uh, going into the regular season. So let's get into it, man. Let's 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 do it. Man, let's get let's get straight right into it. And Jay, let's not jump over the fact that you had a wild light, wild night last night. You saw my boy Luca out there cooking live in person, man. So just just b- before we before we get in, even get into that, Jay, talk to us about how 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 it was it how how was it over there at the Raptors Arena watching Luca go off for a triple double almost. Yeah, Scotia Bank was a vibe. Uh, first of all, the energy in there is amazing. Uh, we were able to to sneak down there, uh, not sneak down there. We were able to get down there uh, pregame and see, check out the warm up, see Luca's pregame routine. You know, Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, all those kind of guys. And it was cool just seeing what they go through on on like before the game. And Luca, the one thing I noticed in his pregame and Fred as well, it's just how slow. And you you never see it till you see it up close in the in in game and as well in their um, warm up is that they're moving so slow. It's because the game's just so slow for them. They know where they want to get on the floor. And Luca was just dissecting in the defense. I felt like anywhere he wanted to get on the floor last night, Jay, he was getting there. It just not matter of was he making the shot or was he making the right pass because he, he could get anywhere he wanted on the floor. Wow, Jay. Wow, man. Operating. 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 <laughs> Operating. Jay, Jay, hey, y'all, Jay texted me last night. He says, Luca is, in all caps, operating. <laughs> I was weak, man. I yeah. was weak. But definitely, definitely, definitely a great, great opening week. We just uh, witnessed of, uh, of NBA basketball. So basically for the fans, uh, what, what we got today is, you know, today's Sunday, October 24th. What we got today is we're just going to talk about uh, this, this opening week that we just witnessed of basketball. Some of the games uh, we saw. We already put out an opening night recap episode, so if you want to see that just on opening night on that on that Nets Bucks and and uh, and Lakers Warriors game, make sure you go check that out. That was our last episode. That was a pod special, so make sure Apple Podcast, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, make sure you go check that out. But let's let's go from Wednesday, October twentieth forward. So Wednesday, Jay was the first day that we was like, man, NBA basketball back. We had eleven games. A jam-packed day full of NBA basketball. What to you was like some of your favorite games? What were some things that you took away from that day, Jay? Yeah, so I got my list here, Jay. And the first game that comes to mind was that Hornets-Pacers game. And man, oh man, I think that was the first game to start it off as well. And I just saw the emergence of LaMelo Ball. Not the emergence, just the continued development of his game. It just felt like at any time, he's another player who at any time I felt what he could get whatever he wanted against the Pacers. I know, remember, they were down, the Hornets were down about 23 at that point and led by LaMelo as well as Miles Bridges, humdiddly do, or whatever you want to call him, <laughs> bro. He, he, they led that comeback uh, with the likes of Kelly Oubre as well. And it's just 
amazing comeback, that grit, that determination of why, why I had them as my ninth seed for, for the Hornets. But man, they're off to a great start. And I think I could see them go, being even higher than the ninth seed. Maybe I was selling them a little short, but they're looking like a play off team, not a play in team right now. Just with that grit, that determination, having Gordon Hayward back in the mix, adding Kelly Oubre uh, to, to make them deeper. And honestly, looks like PJ Washington's getting played out of that lineup. But then on the Pacers side of things, Chris Duarte, man, he's looking like a steal for the Pacers. He's an absolute sniper, tons of confidence. Uh, I believe he had 20-something um, his first night, 27, I believe, on, on his 27. 27 is his first game. So that was one of the, the first games that I had in mind. And then obviously the Celtics and Knicks was, was the next one I have X'd on that. But who, what you got on opening – well, the opening night for the rest of the league, I should yeah. say. Yeah. So, so man, Jay, I, I, I have to talk about – you know, I don't even want to be a hype beast, but I got to talk about that Celtics and Knicks game because, Jay, that's everything you could want for a, 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 a Knicks season opener, man. We got – we're talking about double OT. Jalen Brown goes off for 46 points. Julius Randle goes off for 35 which, by the way, he's on my fantasy, so go go, Julius Randle. <laughs> Evan, Evan Fournier goes off for 32. Spike Lee, Tracy Morgan in a building. It was just everything you could want, man, a jam, jam pack uh, at night. But, Jay, before you get into the positives, I, I actually want to talk, talk to you about some a takeaway that I had from that game. So um, we know, you know, we know J- Jason Tatum, lethal score, uh, elite, elite, elite player. But in that game, we saw he wasn't really having the greatest game. You know, he had he had 20 points. I believe he went two of 15 from two of 15 from three and seven of 30 from the field. And Jay, I had a, I, I had a question, you know, that I, I had to run by you. And that's and that's Jay. When um, do you think that Jason Tatum could tend to get way too tunnel vision at times? You know, because what, uh, you have to realize that at a point. I'm not hidden. This isn't my night. And you have to be able to mature enough to give it up to a Jalen Brown or give it up to these other players who are having a better night, even though that Jason Tatum might be the number one option. And I know that, you know, sometimes history says, you know, shoot yourself out the slum, shoot yourself out the slum. I think J- Jason Tatum tried to do that and shot them out the game. So how do you feel about Jason Tatum and his tunnel vision sometime? Would you like to see him uh, give it up a little bit more or continue to be aggressive like that? Yeah, two things on that front. Number one, great players we've seen in the past. If you're having an off night, we saw it from Stephen Curry on October 19th, the opening night against the Lakers. He didn't have the shot going, ended up with a triple-double because he knows that if he can't get it going, you got to get your other teammates going or you have no chance of winning. And that's something that Jason Tittum did a few times last year, uh, but inconsistently. And if that's the case, uh, I feel like he he has tunnel vision sometimes. He just feels like he's hasn't got to that level of maturity with you see like the LeBrons, the KDs, even Giannis um, getting to those assists, getting your teammates involved when you don't have it going. Uh, but no, nah, I feel like Jason Tatum hasn't developed, which brings me to my second point is we've seen it all. Everyone's saying, you know, from from the past is Jason Tatum is the Batman. Jalen Brown is the Robin. Well, here, I'm here to say, Jay, we could see Jalen Brown being that Batman and Jason Tatum being that Robin if Jason Whoa. Tatum doesn't step it up. Whoa. Because because obviously with the performances, you know, Jalen Brown had, had a bit of a, a stinker last night. But bef- before, there's times where I feel like Jalen Brown might have everything it needs to be that 1A. 
on a championship team because he's been doing it all. He wants to take those shots. He's got the grit. He's putting in that work defensively too, um, getting in your best guys. And I, that effort's always not there from Jason Caden. But what do you think about that, Jay? Jay, Jay, I'll tell you what, man. I know that's a hot take. I know that's a hot take. But it's not a ridiculous take because, in my opinion, you know, what I think is going to happen over there in, in Boston, I think that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are going to emerge as two stars. They're, they're already emerged, but they're, they're going to keep rising as two stars, and they're going to hit their ceiling of being together. They're going to have to part ways. I don't think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown could really work together. They're way too similar of players for them to, for them to be able to work together on the same team and, and bring success. So, man, but, Jay, for the, for the fact that you said that, that brings me to my next question is if Jalen Brown was a 1A guy, do you think he could carry a team to a championship though? Because I mean, we see this, we, we see him putting in the work, we see him doing this, but it's a bit easier to do this when Jason Tatum is the focal point of the offense, because I, 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 your, your point is not far off. Your point is not far off. Well, with Jalen Brown being there, but I feel like most NBA teams still consider Jason Tatum the focal point of the offense, and they still focus most of their defense on Jason Tatum, which leaves a lot of open room for Jalen Brown. So do you think Jalen Brown could carry a team to a champ or not carry, but you know what I'm talking about, take him to that, you know, that promised land run on being the main guy? Yeah, that's a tough question, John, because if you look at it like this, he hasn't really had the opportunity to have the full keys. And like you said, Jason Tatum's always been along his side. So uh, until we've seen maybe, you know, I hope no injuries, but if there's a time when Jason Tatum's off not playing and we really get to see Jason Tatum like last year, Jason, sorry, uh, Jalen Brown, like last year with Jason Tatum, when Jalen Brown was out, he couldn't get it done in the playoffs. Um, but if we get to see the same for Jalen Brown, then I, I could have a better answer for you. But from all indications of it, he has the tools defensively. He's always locked in for the most part. Um, and offensively, it looks like his jumper just continues to develop because we've always known he's been a slasher. He's going to put it on your head. He's going to be dunking on you. He's getting to the rim whenever he wants. Um, he has the size. He has the weight. He has like the physical attributes in terms of the wingspan to be a great defender. So I have no reason to believe he can't be a 1A, uh, but it's just a matter of seeing it if he gets to, in that situation. Wow, Jay. Yeah, I mean, you just proved it. He, ha he has everything in his bag to become the 1A, but will he become the 1A? Because theory is different than practice, man, so let's see it. But, Jay, I love that, Jay. I, lo I, lo I love that hot take. Jay, I, I got I to talk about – I don't know if this is really a hot take, but, you know, while I'm watching that, that, that Knicks game – I thought to myself, I said, man, I'm really liking this uh, this little punch that they got Kemba starting and then D-Rose off the bench. Because in my opinion, D-Rose is a starting caliber point guard. And now you got him coming off the bench, punching you in the mouth right after Kemba comes, comes in there. And I thought to myself, boy, oh boy, I think the Knicks might really pull off something special this year, man. Jay, how, how are you are you feeling me on that? Are, are do you think the Knicks are going to be able to pull off like a top four seed with this uh, with, with this one two punch? Or was that me being a bit too optimistic on the Knicks? I think the Knicks could be a top team, uh, but here's where I draw back and I'm a little hesitant to just to throw them in that four seed. I think Tom Thibodeau, despite it being a successful coach in the regular season, uh, I think there's times where I doubt what he's doing, his game plan, his strategies. Uh, his lineups because he there's been times where even in the, the Celtics game 
I thought where he could have put them away. He had all the right tools. Like you said, the roster's deep. They got D Rose off the bench. Um, they got Emmanuel quickly if they want to play him. They got a lot of tools at their disposal if they want to put in that work. But they couldn't close. I mean, there's no reason that the Celtics game should have got should have gone into uh, into overtime. There's no reason they should have closed that out in, in regulation. And for whatever reason, there was a time when they didn't know how many fouls they had to take. Um, there was a time when they couldn't get the ball over half court. And as much as it's players, there's strategies that you can put into effect. There's need to know things as a player on the court that should be addressed by your coach. So there's no reason why Tom Thibodeau should be letting those things happen at the end of the game. So that's where my hesitant hesitancy is uh, with with Tom Thibodeau and getting the Knicks back to that four seed, despite having all the, all the skills and all the, the players at his disposable to be, you know, a top four caliber team in the East. Okay. All right. And then Jay, you, you think Randall takes another big leap this year? Cause I think he's about to take another even bigger leap than he took last year. Yeah, I think, I think Julius Randall could, could take a, another leap. Uh, but I think it's going to be dependent on what the other guys outside of him are doing. But I know you want him to take a big leap because <laughs> you got him on your team. <laughs> so that just might be a, a wishful, wishful question right there. A wishful take. A wishful, uh, wishful take, take, take for your fantasy squad. Just so uh, everyone knows, again, I'm going to say Jay John has him on his fantasy team. So he, he's trying to get him to go. I had him last year, but Julius is a boy. Like he'll put up, he has those big games with the Knights that he's inefficient. I think it's a lot to do with, you know, I don't even know why at the end of the game they had been moving the ball. They had been getting good looks. And then at the end of the game, they had Julius Randle going ISO. Um, there's very few players in the league. doesn't matter with a defense loaded up against you going isolation at the end of the game. There's only a select few who can score. And that's not anything knock against Julius yeah. Randle. That's just how it is. It's so tough to score against a load, uh, defense loaded up expecting you to drive um throwing a double to you if you're spinning or you turn away your head away from the basket uh there's a select few so I don't know why Thibodeau is going to that at the end of the game running isolations for Julius Randle that's not a recipe for success in my opinion exactly Jay not only is that not smart for Tom Thibodeau is that's not a smart play for Julius Randle to be running out there man but but Jay let's talk about one of those players one of those select few that can score Whatever, whenever, from wherever. Let's talk about that man, Wardell. Oh my goodness, Jay. Nine for nine in the first quarter. At the end of the first quarter, he was just standing there like, give it to me, 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 give it to me. Jay, that game was crazy. Like, honestly, like we are going to look back in history and be mind boggled by this moment. Kobe. Kobe did this one time. Uh, he he went to do it when uh, I believe I had 30 points in the first quarter, went like 10 for 10 or something like that. Everyone looks back to it and it's mind boggling. We witnessed history, Jay. That was some insane shooting. Talk to me about that 45 triple dub game. That 45 piece, man. Uh, double, 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 double. But uh, I mean, man, there's nothing really Steph can't do on the court. And, and I, I just last year, I thought, man, there's no way that Steph can have a better year. 
than, than what he did last year, that historic run. But man, this, this year's just proven to me he can he can do more, man. Steph just puts himself in situations to be successful. And I think he's just slowing the game down more. There's times where times where even even how crazy is this to saying there's times where he would have taken a bad shot or you know realistically there's nothing never really a bad shot for him but there's times where he would you know settle for a jumper when he could get to the rim uh and we saw the maturity and growth down down the uh down the stretch there in the fourth obviously he had a crazy first half or straight crazy first quarter slowed down a little bit there in the uh, second quarter was a little bit non-existent for the third quarter up until the fourth quarter where he started to do his damage um, and, and get back on track. And that's where one, one play in particular was against Marcus Morris where uh, he, he had him on the switch. He, he knew, obviously, Clippers had made their adjustments. They were in him, um, shading him to the right, knowing they don't want him to pull up. He, I wouldn't say he put Marcus Morris in a blender, but he had him on his toes. He, he worked him, worked him, got into his bag and then was able to spin for an easy layup on him. And that's just a development where times where he would have just, you know, maybe shake, 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 tried to get a jumper from deep, a bad shot. But just that maturity and that growth, getting his teammates involved and just having taken over when times before, maybe he wouldn't have taken over. But bro, he's just playing on a different level. It's MVP season, in my opinion. That's my that's my early early candidate for MVP because he's playing at that level and he just wants it. It's a different grit uh, that he's playing with this year. But how'd you feel about that, man? I know you watched it late. You watched it on replay. Jay, that was definitely uh, a top, like a a top performance that we're going to see this year, man. Like it's definitely going to be hard to uh, top a a performance like that, man. Like I, I know, I know we got some great players in the league, but Man, that was, I think, one of the, the performances of the year that we're going to be talking about talking about at, at the end of the year, man. But, Jay, man, I mean, let's be real, man. If he is playing like this, if he continues to play, and, and I, I, I know not no one in the NBA can keep up this play every single game, but if he can stay around this level to where he's uh, – you know, he's such a threat on facilitating, man. He's out, he's out there, he's out there running, he's out there hitting. If he can continue to play like this, Jay, and Clay Thompson can come back 80%, Jay, the league needs to watch out. The West needs to really watch out because that might be a Western Conference champ. If Clay can come back 80% of what he really was and Curry continues to play like this and Wiseman can come back and develop into the player that we're thinking develop, he's going to develop into, watch out for the Warriors to be Western Conference champions because that was just some scary basketball. And it wasn't just Wardell. That's the thing. It wasn't just Curry out there hitting. No, it was the ball movement. The ball movement was still beautiful. That's one thing that I looked at, right? So uh, we we watched that, that that first game between the Lakers and the Warriors, and one thing that you know we we talked about, we noticed was the beautiful ball movement by the Warriors. And I was like, as I was watching this this, this second game, I'm like, man, let me see if the Warriors are still going to have that beautiful ball movement, or was that just you know one time thing? No, continue. Back cuts, lobs, all of that, man. Draymond Green out, uh, out of the post, you know, throwing his passes. Moses Moody also a huge, uh, huge facilitator for that for, for that team, man. So Jay, I just I think I have to honestly change my take. You know, I had him, I had him a little high. I had him, I had him a six, 
But if Wardell is playing like this, they could they could easily, easily, easily be a top four, top three seed in the West and potentially even take the West, man, because that, that game was impressive, Jay. That game was impressive. All right. Enough. All yeah. right. Yeah. Anything, anything else you want to add about that, Jay? No, nah, I mean, they were always a top four team in my opinion, but mm-hmm. this is making their – they're ceiling a little higher. Like you said, I'm just looking at them as a Western Conference finalist, potentially just being an NBA finalist because uh, they're just playing at that level. And just knowing that they have those pieces missing is just so exciting because, I just, man, this, they're just fun playing at such watch. a high level. Yeah, yeah, fun, fun team, team to watch. To watch. I'm, I'm excited for the Dubs, being it's, a Dub fan myself. So. Extremely fun team to watch. All right, man, so – Jay, you know that we wouldn't be an NBA podcast if we did not talk about that meltdown, um, boil down. I don't know what that was on the, on, the, on the Lakers between AD, Dwight Howard. That was just ugly. Um, I have absolute no problem with fighting. You can fist fight. You could go at it. But that's in the locker room. That's in the bus. That's behind closed doors, man. You don't, you don't break down and turmoil within each other in the middle of the game with millions of people watching man around the world. Uh, so definitely, definitely um, not, not, not concerned about that, you know, because that's two grown men. They're going to squash that. They're, they're going to squash their issue, but definitely that, that, that shows a sign of weakness within the team that now other teams can, can exploit in that. If I was another team, I would continue to exploit. I would continue to get on to our house. I know you get, gets in his feelings, man. So Jay, talk to me about how you felt about like that, that that issue is that something that you think is just going to blow over or is that going to be bigger than what it is i'm not really concerned about that uh we saw ad and, and dwight kind of making up for it and and the like later on in the game but I, I just see that 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 is an issue if that's happening and you're already in game two uh despite it only being game two of an 82 game season having that happen so early is not a good look especially against a team like the Suns who had them frustrated all night. Uh, and, and I want to talk about that more is I felt like from, from start to tip, the Lakers just look rusty. The continuity is something that I was already worried about. You talked about it on, we talked about it on after opening night, you talked about it on uh, SMH is, is podcast as well. So uh, you're concerned. I'm concerned as well. We still haven't seen a strong game from Russell Westbrook. Uh, th- there's there's pieces that are missing, but you're talking about Trevor Ariza, THT guys that I don't really see. You know, being they'll be in the rotation, but they're not going to make up that much. Um, THT, we're still we don't know what level he's going to be at when he comes back. But uh, I, I, there's a lot of question marks that I have about about the Lakers. Do they have that continuity? Is the leadership there? Obviously, LeBron's a great leader. But sometimes I feel like LeBron can be almost too positive in the sense where you need him to be that that mean guy, like knocking like knocking on doors saying, hey, what are you doing to be to help this team win, to be a championship team that we should be? Uh, and, and is Frank Vogel t- making those guys, putting them in the right position to win? I don't know, Jay. John, what, what did you see in that Suns game? Let's, let's just talk, jump right in. What did you see in that Suns game? Why were they outplayed? Man, I mean, the number the number one thing, like the Lakers definitely just had a bad game. This was just overall a ter- a terrible game for the Lakers. 
I'm not blaming the refs, but the refs definitely, definitely, absolutely got to do better. No, no, Jay, you got to watch the game. You got to watch the game. You got to watch the game, Jay. The refs have to do. I'm not saying the Lakers would have won. The Lakers had a bad game, but the refs absolutely got to do better. Absolutely got to do better. Steve Jamie, the NBA ref official, was on on the TV talking about how Austin Reeves got fouled and did nobody call it. And this was so, so many times throughout the game, not blaming, not saying the Lakers would have won if that would happen because they already had it. They had a bad game. I have still have worries about, I still have worried about chemistry, but then again, I remember to myself, this is still an 82 game season. And I, I have a lot more issues than I, than I did in the beginning. Cause now, you know, if you're fighting in public, it's 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 a it's a bigger issue that's that, that's going on in my eyes man because i again like i said it's all good to fight in private but if you're fighting in public man that shows the crack but that shows the crack between your team and to me that's that, that that's showing you that's showing a sign of weakness but with all that being said i still have no doubts that the lakers are going to be the nba champions in my mind because i still think that when you get to a seven game series after playing an 82 game season, after they work through all these kinks, they work through all these bumps. It's just very hard. And I don't see any team in the league possibly beating them in a seven game series because in, in a one, in a one game, you know, thing, absolutely anything could happen. Any, anyone could win, but in a seven game series where you got to beat them four times, you got to beat them more than they got to beat you. I just don't see it happening with that lineup that's out there. But then again, let's see if the Lakers are even going to be able to get to a have a healthy lineup. Because I'm saying that's if we have a healthy lineup, and we are we know that the Lakers have an extremely vet heavy team. Um, and this and and this is and this is my prediction from what I've seen in the past from these players, from what I've seen from the past from from, from the late from the Lakers and. And that's it, man. But I mean, realistically, the Lakers definitely have a lot of kinks they got to work through. Biggest of all is just figuring out where you where to fit in Russell Westbrook, man. Definitely a great player, but I, I, I'm starting to believe does he have a spot on any on anyone's team in in today's NBA to be effective, to be extremely effective? And I and I don't know, you know, I don't know to be effective enough to win games, not just effective enough to be, you know, have a couple of. Uh, you know, be a little, a little positive on your, on your plus minus. I'm talking about to be effective, to win games and win championships and not, uh, not have your weakness take away so much of the game, man. So I'm starting to, I'm starting to uh, have my doubts on Russell Westbrook's place in this league, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Jay, I'm, I'm feeling with you right there with you on that. I, you know, where, what state I'm from, but I'm not, I'm from that Texas state. I'm from that show me state. So I, the Lakers got to show me that they can be this championship caliber championship team that you're talking about because so far they're 0-2 I know it's two games into the season they got another test tonight against Memphis uh, recording this on you know the 24th uh, October 24th but man until then until you talk about this championship team I don't know if, if I can see that for them I had them as my three seed right now they're looking like a five or six seed in the west um Memphis looking like they're ahead of them right now at the level they're playing at and that's who they play tonight so Let's see. Let's see. Show me. Show me that you can be that team. I believe they got all the pieces of the, you know, former Hall of Famers. But maybe like Chuck was right that they're 2010. They might have been a better team. I don't know. That's just how it's looking right now. But I could be wrong. And we shouldn't jump to any conclusions after game two. Former Hall of Famers. So they're not going to be Hall of Famers anymore, Jake. 
in their prime, I should say. Uh, Former Hall of Famers. Of course, they're going to be Hall of Famers. Uh, hey, come on, man. Just come on, man. All right, man. All right, man. So, then, Jay, let's let's talk about some of these teams. You know, I, I know it's early. I know it's to two or three games into the season for most of these teams. But, Jay, let's talk about some of these teams that you've just, like, liked so much, man, that you've been like, boy, besides the Warriors, this is my team this year. Who, who's that? Who's that been for you so far? Uh, the Grizzlies are looking like a great team right now. The Grizzlies, like I said, are playing at a high level, led by John Moran. I expected him to take that leap, but man, they're they're looking tough. They're looking like a team to beat. And then I and then another team I got to shout out is a team who I had uh, higher than y'all in, in my higher than you and Greg in my rankings was the Minnesota Timberwolves. I expected that D'Lo, Anthony Edwards, and Cat, if they're all playing, they're healthy together. They're going to be a tough team. I know they haven't really been tested schedule-wise, uh, but, but man, they're playing at a high level, and I'm expecting them to do some serious, if not making the playing game, winning some tough games on the road there. And then the East, obviously the Bulls with that 3-0 start, they played Detroit twice, but they're looking like a hungry, hungry team, uh, ready with that lineup. Lonzo's looking great. DeMar's looking like he fits right in with them. And then Zach Levine doing what he does. So those are the three teams that I have, you know, just who've made an impression on me. But who you who you got in the West and the East? Man, for me, Jay, honestly, when I'm when I was writing this list, I was just so centered and so focused on the Bulls because I've been so excited to watch the Bulls and they've just been so fun that honestly, I need to walk back my take that we did on the preseason on the preseason uh, uh, rankings. I. I believe I had the, the Bulls in the, my top four seed. Nah, dog. Like, I'm telling you, if the Bulls stay healthy, they could be a, call me crazy, a top three, top two seed in the East, dog, because they are just such a complete team. You, you talked about Zoe being a defensive guard, pushing the pace, Zach being a three-level scorer, Vucevic being a unicorn, Patrick Williams, ultimate role player, DeMar DeRozan, you mentioned it, Jay, pure bucket getter, and then you, and then you have Derek Jones Jr.'s AC off the bench. That's an extremely, extremely complete team, and I know, I know they only played Detroit, but in the first game they played Detroit, they held them to 88 and points. And the Pelicans. Okay, okay. They only played Detroit and the Pelicans. But in those games, the defense has just been extremely scrappy. The offense has been just unlimited. They have so many, they have so many ways to score that I just see so much potential in that team, Jay. I'm, 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 I'm rocking with the Bulls this year, Jay. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. No, I'm with you on that, but I just think, it's way too early for, with the Bulls just in the, in the terms of they played the Pistons twice. They played the Pelicans, John. And then they got coming up if they're after they play the Knicks, they play the Jazz and the Celtics, then the Sixers, the Sixers again, then the Nets. Man, then we could make a, a better indication of where they're at because they got a 10 game stretch here. who's going to be tough. They also got the Warriors in that mix as well. So they're going to have some good tests where we can see more. If they're going to be a top three in the East, top C3, <laughs> top C. Because right now I still have them as a seven C. But to start off three and oh, that's a great start, especially with that young, uh, sorry, that new team that they got, that new starting five relatively. Uh, to have that confidence and build that chemistry is a great start. 
I'm just, my fault, Jay. I'm just trigger happy, Jay. I'm just yeah. trigger happy. I just keep trying to pull the trigger. <laughs> no, nah, I feel it. You're excited, though. That's an exciting team. Not, don't get me wrong. That's an exciting team over there in Chicago. Definitely. But all right, Jay. So then, Jay, we have to talk about this top 75 list real quick. You know, the NBA released it. Uh, just this real quick, Jay, you know, who are some who are some snubs that come to mind right away? Or, or are there any surprises that you're like, man, this player made the list just right away that come to mind? Real quick about the top NBA top 75 is it's a tough situation because, you know, the, the whole reason I think that they make the list is obviously to get people talking. They want us to be talking about this. So obviously there's going to be some snubs. There's going to be some people that we should have made it. And even maybe that they left off because it's people, it's uh, former players who definitely have a bias. There's no reason why I think that Dwight Howard shouldn't have been on that list. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He led his team to the, to the finals over there in Orlando. But I, I think a lot of people don't like uh, Dwight. But for this top 75, I feel like it's so hard to compare players who played in the 50s, the, 40, the 40s, 60s to players now because it was a totally different game. So I feel like you should have the top 50 who made it when they had the top 50 anniversary list, the 50-year anniversary list. Those players already sh- right away should be on it. Then you add 25 just to avoid that kind of that confrontation of, of the, judging those players from the past to a game that's completely different. So that's where uh, the list is kind of it's kind of tough to me to, to decide and, and to decipher. But there are the few busts that are few, you know, surprises. What do you, what do you call it? Surprises that didn't make it. Yeah. Uh, were Clay, I thought it should have should have had a spot on there. Um you know, T-Mac and, and Vince are the ones I can think off the top of my head. But who you got and what do you kind of think about this whole list? So, I mean, Jay, honestly, the the, the first thing that you said about those the older players should, should have their own list, I could not agree more. I I I know that the NBA, uh, part of the criteria they took into this is, is influence. It's not only just skills, influence. So I know that, that that's why, they, you know, they had a lot of the, the Bob Pettit and, and, and those older guys. And honestly, I'm all hats off to them. I respect them. But at the end of the day, like, let's look at the footage. Dog. Like, they were dribbling, like, head down. like You know what I'm saying? Like, we got guys coming down court, like, shooting one leg. Like, you know what I'm saying? Just the craziest skill. The NBA is at the highest skill of all time. So I absolutely agree, Jay. There's a lot of players that got left off because of that. The original players, um, one of those guys that got, that got left off, is you know not 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 a newer guy but uh Matumbo man I think that Matumbo should have definitely been on the list I mean we're talking about a hall of Fla- a hall of famer with eight all-star selection and he's tied with Ben Wallace for four the most defensive players of the year and he's not even on there I think that definitely is a a, a snub another one um I I, I said this I, I I said this on the on the Super Mario Hoops uh, podcast that he didn't agree with me so jay tell me if you think this is crazy or not but i think that tony parker should have definitely made that list man i mean we're talking about a four-time champion a one-time nba a one-time nba finals and uh, mvp a six-time all-star uh but most of all you know for most of our lifetime jay we've known the spurs to be a competitive team and tony parker's been the point guard the leader you know everyone says that the point guard is the extension of the coach on the court and he led him throughout that entire dynasty and also, I just want to add this in there. If Chris Paul makes the list, Tony Parker should make the list, in my opinion. Ooh, I think you got a good case there with Tony Parker. I, I don't know for sure if he's if I have 75 players 
ahead of Tony Parker. But this just goes into the, the case that the, the 50 are those older players who were compared to Tony Parker. And we talk about that influence. We talk about, you know, how are they were pioneers of the game. I think it's tough to leave a guy like Tony Parker off the list, you know, a four-time champion, if I'm a three-time yeah. champion, if I'm a yeah. um, it's tough to leave a guy off the list like that. And, and I think you're right with, with what he's done and CP3, a guy who's never won a title not putting that value of titles, but titles do mean a lot at the end of the day. Especially um, if you have and, four and of them. Do, yeah, and to do what he did leading that team to those titles as well. So, man, it's tough to leave a guy like Tony Parker. I, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a go with you on that. But it's just the criteria. Like they said, they want to get people talking and people discussing. But, I mean, there's a lot we could digest about this top 75, but – I mean, it's about about how deep you want to dive into it. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> Jay. Time for that. <laughs> exactly, Jay. So then, so then, let me just ask you this last question about this this top seventy five list. Jay, you said T Mac. I really want to put T Mac on there, but the, my only problem is I just feel like it took in the, in the injuries plagued him. Injuries plagued him a bit too much for him to make that list. But to you, is that it? it did, did his performance that he put out there in the time that he was was it enough for you to make that top seventy five? Nah, I mean, now that you mentioned the injuries, I think I think that's a big a big knock against him. Not knock, just unfortunate for him that he had all those injuries, derailed his career. Ultimately, we never really got to see what he could have been without those injuries. And unfortunately, there's a lot of players like that. One I'm thinking of, my guy Brandon Roy over there. Man, <laughs> for the, I mean, there's no wonders what he could have been because he was a boy. Wow. Like he was, he was just unguardable, a shooter. Um, just a modern day player earlier than the game was, yeah. you know, to, at this level. But um, I think, yeah, for T, for T Max case, that that's a good argument about him not being healthy and at the level that he could have been at. We all know he could have been at. Man, 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 that's definitely unfortunate for T Mac, man. But but definitely was a, a great player that all Hoopers know and respect, man. And as long as you got your peers respected. You're all good, man. But all right. So then, Jay, as we tra- uh, tra- tra- transition here, Jay, you know, just just real quick, real quick, we, we wouldn't be able to call ourselves the NBA channel if we didn't talk about this Ben Simmons and Kyrie saga. Just real quick, Jay, like, do you, do you got any I know I know we talked a bit about that in that in that opening episode, but do you, you got any any like new feelings, anything that's that that you've been uh, feeling about that this whole situation and also real quick jay if you had to put your life saving on which one plays first which one plays first between Kyrie or Ben Simmons neither uh, <laughs> i don't want to lose all my money but man I, i'm thinking right now maybe Ben Simmons but not for the sixers i know he came out and said that he had his mental issues and, you know, we got to, we got to respect that. You know, I don't, I don't know the basis of that or what's going on with him. Um, I hope he figures everything out, but I think, I don't know if it will be with the Sixers, but I think Ben Simmons has a better chance because Kyrie is really, you know, firm on not wanting to get that vaccine. And I don't think that's changing anytime soon. So I have the only reason I have to believe is that Ben Simmons will get out there and play basketball at some point this season before Kyrie. Man, I got to I got to believe it, too, man. I got to believe it, too. But one thing I want to add on this Kyrie situation, just because I heard I heard Shaq say this the other day. 
man, Kyrie's being selfish, dog. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you, you have to sacrifice as a team to win. And KD sacrificing in his own way. K- James Harden sacrificing his own way. Every single person on that team is sacrificing. And Kyrie can't sacrifice to get that vaccine. Man, I, I mean, you call it personal reasons, whatever it is. In my opinion, that's just that's just straight up selfishness, man. That's just straight up selfishness. I'm tired of seeing that shit from Kyrie. Tired of it, man. But um, all right, Jay. So, Jay, r- before we close out, I have to put this on wax real quick, Jay, because if I'm right, I got to go back. I'm going to clip this. I'm going to post it. Jay, I got a way too early MPI prediction. I know we I know me and you, we talk off camera and we were saying we got Jordan Poole for MPI. I got to switch it up, Jay. I have Cam Reddish for MPI. You you called it. You called you actually called it over the offseason. You said he's going to go. He's going to have a crazy uh takeoff year he's gonna have a good year and honestly i didn't i didn't really believe you until i've been watching these these first two hawks games yes cam reddish is turning into that boy and i think that he's gonna have a huge leap and i know jp is gonna have a huge leap this year too but you know, he's gonna have some competition he's gonna have some competition over there uh going against cam reddish so but do you, you you still got uh jay pool as your mpi just to put it okay on no i like that cam reddish day yeah but i still got jordan pool i feel like he's had two tough games against two of the top grittiest teams in the league with the lakers uh and the clippers you know national tv games and i think you know he had i think i look at last game against the clippers and i actually looked back and watched some film on that and i despite what the box score might say i don't think he had a bad bad game as bad of a game as I originally thought he had. Uh, and I think against the Kings tonight, that's the best game to break out because despite how well the Kings, you know, they've had two good games. They beat Portland and then they played jazz, the Jazz tough um, on Friday night. But I think Pools is still my, my guy for, for most, and most improved player this year. Okay. All right. All right. I mean, hey, Jay, it's, it's not a bad pick at all, Jay. It's not a bad pick at all. But all right. So, so you know, as we – as we close off here, uh, Jay, we, we, you know, NBA season has returned. You know, we just we, we just talked about this little uh, opening week recap. That was very fun. I'm super excited to, to, to get into all this NBA content with you, brother, like through, throughout the season. But let's just real, let's just real quick let the fans know, like what we got coming for the season. So just just, just for all the fans where you guys are on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Wherever you get your podcasts, man, this is this is what we got planned, man. We yes, we are bringing back hidden takes this year. For those of you guys that don't know what hidden takes are, is that's two 10 to uh, ten to fifteen minute episodes that we're gonna drop two times per week, and we're just gonna be talking about some of the recent games, news, and just you know like like recent Ben Simmons stuff and Kyrie or just everything, you know some some uh, uh, highlights and key performances and the drop dates for those will most likely be uh, Monday or, you know, very beginning of the week. And then there'll be a one at the end of the week, which will be on a Saturday or on a Sunday. So make sure you guys stay, stay tuned for those because those are just going to be, you know, quick little digestible pods you guys can take in. And then we're going to have one longer debate style episode. And that's most likely going to drop more in the middle of the week, more on a, on a Wednesday, you know, on a Thursday. So just m- make sure you guys stay tuned for that because we got a lot of content coming this year, Jay. We got three episodes per week coming to them, Jay. So they need to stay tuned, huh, Jay? Yes, sir. And also, we're we going to be breaking down. Uh, we're going to be doing our picks sometimes during the week, and we're going to be breaking down We're gonna like we did with the Warriors game. Uh, we're going to be doing post-game just breakdowns of what we saw in those games, maybe on a Thursday night 
or a Friday night of the TNT games or like the ESPN games that we pick out as our game of the week. So y'all stay tuned, man. Y'all, y'all stay, stay tuned, tuned man. Fun. I'm telling y'all, me yeah. and Jay, we've been talking. We've been talking behind the scenes and we got a lot on the way for you guys. Stay tuned. This year is going to be the year of prosperity for us over here at Clutch Talk, man. We're going to take off, lift the roof off the place and have a great NBA year, man. So brother, I wouldn't want to do it with anybody else, man. I'm so happy to do this NBA season with you, my brother. You ready to get into the season? Yes, sir. We right here. We in the middle of things. We get, we just getting taken off and I'm excited, man. I'm excited, Jack. Yes, sir, man. So for all the fans, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. And that's it, man. We out here, y'all. Clutch talk out. Peace. After you take Brandy to the prom, you coming back to school with shades on your head. Literally looks like a jersey that you would leave out on the side of the street to get picked up by the garbage company like the next day. Me and Matt say we're 6'4", but I think we're each probably an inch shorter than that. Me rounding up hurts nobody helps everybody. Basketball tales so strange, you didn't know that you didn't know them. So listen up, y'all. It's NBA Storytime, available wherever you get your podcasts.